Mike, I think we got a nice rope on here today, eh? Yeah? It's okay if you don't. Yeah? Are you, are you waving your hand well or is... No? Oh, no. Okay. All right, so we'll just, just, just be ready with that. There's, there's a, uh, the reason why I wanted to do this again, I, you remember we talked about this in the uh, Advent series about preparation. And um, I shared a little bit about our experience in England where we, we walked into this house that the, the church in England, this group of house churches in, in England had worked on for months getting ready for us and the experience we had walking in the door was unbelievable you know just just the the walls seemed to say you're loved you're loved um, so this had to do with advent but it also has to do with today's topic i want to uh uh especially address maybe some of you who f have felt that that's never happened to you uh which is, is sad, but I want to say to you, the good, the good news is, is that it actually has happened to all of you, and that the Creator has done an incredible job getting ready for you, for your arrival, and He's been preparing from eternity past for you to be here. And that's kind of our, our, our message today. Last week, we started a series on the book of Genesis. We we called it Foundations, and we talked about how important it is to get the beginning of a story. If you miss the beginning of a movie or a story, uh, it kind of sucks for the rest of the movie. You kind of feel like you're, 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 you're out of time. You're missing something. You're, uh, I hate it when there's a mystery that I want to watch, and I don't see you know, these crime scene investigation shows. And, you, you, you want to catch the beginning or you, you miss the rest of it. And so we're, we've been talking about how Genesis is, is like that. It, it reinforces to us the story that we're in and, and, and gives us understanding. And we talked about how that, that, uh, the creator is not an artist or not a magician, but an artist. That God created matter. He created this uh, modeling clay called called matter. Genesis chapter 1, God created the heavens and the earth. But then it says there was no form. It was without form and it was empty because God's an artist. He could have just waved his wand or just said bang, 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 bang and made everything appear. But it, it says that he, he created it formless and empty because he's an artist and he, he wanted to design and have some fun. And Five times in the first chapter it goes and God saw that's good. Uh, I, I listened to an African-American do a rap on that one time. It was so cute because he kind of does the creation story and he's kind of going on. And, and then I, I saw, I, I was quite young when I saw this and, and it still stands out for me that he'd always stop and he'd say, and then at the end of the fourth day, God said, that's good. That's good. That's really good. You know, at the last one, right? That's good. I, just, I still remember it. So, so I can just see God go, oh, that's good, right? And, you know, in, in our culture, when we say, you know, when somebody says, well, how did I do? And somebody says, that's good. It's almost an insult, isn't it? Now, now that's good. You kind of go, really? Is that all? It was just good? You know, we, kinda, we, we need awesome. We need, 
that, that rocked, you know, or, or something like that. And, and uh, actually the Hebrew here, yeah, it's, it, it rocks. It's awesome. It's, it's beautiful. In fact, the word beautiful. Hey, good and beautiful. That's really what, what that word means. This is good and beautiful and right. This is so amazing. That's, that's the word. So, so God was creating, but it wasn't like this agenda, to-do list. Okay, day one, check it off. There, it wasn't that. It was this creative, artistic fun that God was having. And, uh, and as we said last week, he started forming. And the first thing he formed was water. And then it says sky. And then he formed... Uh, Land, right? And, um, and then he started filling. Now, this is how you probably can th- guess that this is an artistic and poetic document, not a scientific document. Because it's kind of hard to have vegetation if you don't have lights. But, and the sun and the moon and the stars came after the plants. So that tells you that the writer is thinking poetically here. There's, there's symmetry and beauty in the way that God created the heavens and the earth. And I was talking to Merrick last night, or, or the night before. He called me from New Orleans. It must have been the middle of the night for him, thinking of it. But I was asking him, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a world-renowned physicist. He's part of our church, but now a university professor in, in Kabul, Afghanistan. And he was at this uh, week-long seminar, and I said, well... You know, I was asking him, you know, about creation and, and as a physicist, how he sees it. And, and, and we were talking about how that some people still hold to the fact that it was a literal six days that God created the heavens and the earth. And others kind of see that as a, uh, in fact, the Hebrew is epoch of time. That's the word that's, that's the Hebrew for day in, in Genesis 1. And so we're talking about the date and the age of the earth. And he says, well, actually... A physicist could see that it could be both. It could actually be a literal day, and it could actually be billions of years both. And so he took the next 10 minutes to explain to me why, and it was really convincing. I don't have a clue what he said. I don't understand what he said. But the only thing that came to mind was the movie Contact. How many remember the movie Contact with Jodie Foster? Remember, she drops through this little thing, and... For everybody that was there, it was just like, boom, she drops through the, you know, into the tank. But during those sec- that, that second that she was in the tank, she has this you know, prolonged experience. And so Merrick said something about the speed of light. And, and I, just, I just felt goosebumps like I do now. But I don't have a clue what he said. So... Uh, and then God filled the water with sea life, but he wasn't done filling. Then he filled the sky with more things, birds. And then he filled the land with animals. And he said, that's good. That's good, right? And, and then uh, there's this pause. It's like there's this, you, you get this feeling as you read Genesis 1 that there's this silence and and, 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 you know, there's been this uh, seamless flow of activity and symmetry and beauty and, and you know, life and, and um, Big Bang and whatever, you know. I mean, it was just, right? And then all of a sudden, everything is still. 
there's this pause. And we have the first meeting in history. Now, some of you, when you hear that history began with a meeting, that's the worst news you could possibly ever get. You know, some of us think that John 10.10 says, I have come that you might have meetings and meetings more abundantly. But that's not what it says. I want to redeem the idea of meeting for you today. I don't think you'll ever see meeting the same if you get this. Because God called a meeting. There was this pause in this activity of creation. And it's like he said, hold everything. Hold on. And they had a consultation. Now, of course, I, I kind of, uh, uh, I just, just before we read our text, God formed and he filled it, but he filled it, he did it all. There was preparation going on for humanity, for the creation of humanity. But before God created humanity, there was this pause and we come to our text. Now look at this very carefully. Let's all read the slide together. Verse 26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Now, what's the first thing you notice here? Us. Now, as Christians, we go, duh, right? As Christians, we go, duh. But remember, this is not Christian literature here. This is Judea Jewish literature who strongly believed in monotheism, in one God. The idea of plurality was strange to them, was foreign to them. And so, how did they explain this? Well, there was... A lot of uh, commentaries will talk about God consulted with the angels and with the courts of heaven and said, let us. The problem is that it's awkward in the language for God to say, let us make human beings in our image and in our likeness if there isn't something of plurality within God himself. And so as Christians, of course, we understand Genesis 1-2, after it says God created the heavens and the earth, it says that the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. He, 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 he was like a mother hen brooding over the eggs. That's what the Spirit of God was doing. So the Father was involved, the Spirit was involved, and then as we come into the New Testament, it says of Jesus Christ, the Word of God, that all things were made by Him. And without him, nothing was made. That was made. And in Colossians, you guys are starting on Colossians. In chapter 1, it says that Jesus Christ made everything and he holds everything together. Good morning, Roland. <laughs> everything together. Everything. He holds everything together. Christ holds everything together. Father, Son, Holy Spirit called a meeting and they said, hey, 
Before we go any further, this, this is what this is all about. This is why we're doing this. So how can we do this well? How can we really do this well? Hmm. How can we make someone who is so, who, 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 who is as close to us as is possible without actually being God? How can we do that? So God made his next of kin. You know, when sometimes I've gotten calls when someone's died in the hospital. Because as a pastor, I've been named next of kin. That happened with David Johnson. What happens when someone dies and they've named a next of kin? That person represents them. It's like that person is, every, is, 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 the pers- is, is everything but the person in terms of representing them. And God created his next of kin. And he said, let's make humans in our image and in our likeness, telling us that the first thing about the image of God is community, is relationship, is plurality, that God loves to consult. He loves to do things interdependently, that there is a sense of collaboration that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit we're, 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 we're doing together. And it's like God said, let's do this. Then they did it. Then they reflected on it and said, that's good. That's very good. J.I. Packer says, that's human history. That's, God says, I want to do something. But he doesn't do it on his own. He consults with somebody. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit consult with each, with each other, and then they go, well, Karen's got an ear for us. Let's, we, we don't want to do this on our own. Let's partner. So they, they, they talk to Karen, and they say, we want to do this. What do you think? And there's this interaction and this engagement. And then God does it. And the, the whole Bible is this story of God consulting with humanity, saying, I want to do this. He does it. He does it not without humanity. He does it with humanity. And then they debrief it. They unpack it. They say, well, how'd that go? Right? There's this cycle. Do it. Plan it. Do it. Debrief it. And, and just, you see this in human history. Just, just, that's how God worked. God loves to do that. God, the universe is led by a team. The universe is led by a community. And that's the first thing that we need to understand about the image of God, is that it's social, that the ground of our being for you and I is relationship. I think the, the second thing that's, that's very profound, and, and theologians have struggled with what, it, what the image of God uh, is, and and I think it's important to realize that there's, there's a lot of ways we're not like God. I'm not omniscient. I'm not omnipresent, although there's times I've tried to be. I can't be everywhere at one time. So we have limitations. I am not the source of, of everything. I, I, am, I am interdependent and dependent on, on God. Um... And I think that, that being the image of God is, is a bit of a mystery. But one of the things that was... Un, there, uh, there was an understanding in the ancient Near East 
that when kings and emperors wanted, ruled over a territory or over a city, they would leave an image of themselves in that city representing them. And often, you know, as you know, Roman emperors and gods, uh, Roman emperors were seen as the son of God. They were, they were like gods and goddesses. And, and so they would put images of themselves. And that image would not only represent the fact that they reigned over that territory, but it, was, it represented them being present. And it was like God said, the universe is my temple, and I'm going to put my image in that temple. That image is humanity. And, that, and humanity tells all of creation who I am. They represent me. And they tell creation, the created order, the sun, the moon, the stars, that I am present. So let's read on. Let's all read together. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now the second thing I want to bring out about the image of God here is number one was community and plurality, a social ground of being for us. It, it doesn't mean that the individual isn't important. It's just that, that we is what comprises our humanity. It's, it's the plurality. It's the church. It's the community of God. That is the image of God. Now, there can be no me, or rather, there can be no we without me, and there can be no we without you. So the individual is still important, and individuals are in the image of God, but it's not complete unless we understand that social reality. That's how the image of God is expressed, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and of course, God, that image is reflected in male and female. That talks about diversity and human community. And I'll talk more about that next week. But also, there's the element of ruling. Let, let's make humans in our image that they may rule. There's something about rulership that expresses who God is and this is pre-fall. Unfortunately, post-fall, rulership has become a very negative thing. It never talks about us ruling over one another. It talks about us corporately exercising God's reign over all of creation. So God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. This was like, it never says that with the other five times. It's very good. God, this God was just pumped. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Now this is a, uh, the psalmist reflecting on this said, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what are mortals that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You've made them a little lower than God, a lot of translations say. And there's some arguments. Some say that it's angels. But God makes more sense because we're over the angels, God says. And he crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands and you put everything under their feet. This is God's commission to humanity. Now, this is a work of art done by Andrei Rublev, who's a Russian Orthodox artist. And this is a Russian icon of the Trinity that came during 
the 1400s. It was written, he, he did this work in the 1400s. So it's a very old piece of art, very famous work of art. It's kind of drawn from the visitation of the three personages to Abraham in the Old Testament. What I'd like you to do, and we don't do this a lot, this is a bit new, is I'm going to take uh, three minutes of silence right now, and I'd like you to just contemplate this. Just look at this. Look at this piece of art. And um, ask yourself the following questions. What is it about this piece of art that you're drawn to? What is it that you are... You, f- you might feel an aversion to. Pay, just pay attention to some of the things you feel. And then what does it tell you about the image of God? What does it tell you about the image of God? Who God is and who we are? Uh, and I'll call you back in three minutes. So you can, you can turn the recording off. So what I'd like you to do now is go back into your groups, like you were, and talk about this. What did you feel drawn to What does it tell you about who God is, the image of God? And this may be a little too much for today, just introducing this, but if if it was an obvious thing for you, did you feel an aversion? Because I have found that God speaks through aversions as well. But don't intellectualize it. Try to go to to the feeling of what you felt that caused that aversion. Uh, And... um, so take, uh, take about five minutes to talk about that. Just each of you take some t- If you didn't get anything, if it, you don't feel anything, you can just say that. And then I'll call you back again. Do you need more time? Just wave your hand. Yeah. So uh, Aiden, maybe you can turn the recording back on. And we have a microphone here that can rove a bit. So is there anybody that just want wants to share just anything that uh, came to you and um, wait for the mic to come to you so that our podcast, by the way, let me just say this, for those of you that are listening by podcast, you can look at this image if you Google Andre, which is A-N-D-R-E-I, Rublev, which is R-U-B-L-E-L-E-V, R-U-B-L-E-V. And if you just uh, Google Old Testament Trinity, uh, so if you, do, if you just put those words in, then you can do this exercise uh, with us remotely. So Aldona. Huh? There we go. Okay. The word that, uh, well, creativity. Hmm. Um, you know, I was just, Wow the color composition, the opposite colors, the complementary colors, the balance, mm. the, the symmetry and the fluidity. Um, it's just perfect. Mm. And, and it's just something, you know, that it didn't bring up any aversion for me, but I got a refresher when I was looking down there. Okay, God, you created us after your image. Mm. You're, you're creative. And I'm, I'm specifically asking him to help me unlock the creative part of my brain to uh, find a daytime job, you know? Mm-hmm. But, but, but it's the, the, his approach to everything is creative. And so that's what I see. And, you know, he's obviously blessed this artist with talent. Yeah. Awesome.
Thanks, Elder. I was drawn to the shared cup, of course, um, supported by the shared colors, the shared table. My aversion was quite strong, I, and I think it's related to the ongoing deliverance the Holy Spirit is giving me. I felt like if this is God, he seems pretty lounging, like he's sort of just passive relaxing. And, you know, I have this idea that I'm supposed to be ongoing, active, instead of resting. So my aversion was, this guy, got, this God looks like he's just totally chilling out, not very, you know, not very active. <laughs> so there you go. My group said, said, I don't need to see a shrink, I just need to rest. <laughs> This is okay. I'm going to come up here because I, I want people to... Do you need the pointer? So you see the... the I'm not sure what this is, if it's like a, a platform. Sorry. I'm not sure what this is, if it's a platform or not. But if you see like... Oh. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm trying to find the pointer on this. Does anyone know yeah, which one it is? I don't, I don't need the pointer. No, I want the pointer. Oh, okay, sorry. Oh, so if you follow the perspective here, it's coming out. It's coming right out here. Out here in us. So that the, yeah, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit come together in us. And if you follow the lines here, then the perspective is widening. At least that's the way I looked at it, so that our perspective of the Son and Father and, and Son, Father and Holy Spirit is always getting bigger. Mm. We can't nail them down. Beautiful. Thank you, Christy. No, it's good. Anybody else? Kenny, back there. Dan, you too? Yeah? No? Uh, that's interesting what Aldona said because I went up there to try and look at the detail because I don't have glasses and I need them. But what I was trying to figure out which one might be the Father, which is the Son, the Holy mm. Spirit. But when I got up there, their faces are identical. They're, it's just like somebody took a photoshopped their faces all mm. in there. Mm. To me, that says that they're, uh, even though what Aldona says, they're dressed differently. So they all have different jobs, but they're of one mind. They're not separated from each other, mm. not in conflict with each other at all. So mm. that's what I get from it. Mm. Thank you. A couple more. Joanna. I liked that it seemed... Um, well, I liked that it seemed to be set somewhere where we were. There's a building mm. and... It just seemed to be among us somehow. It wasn't sort of far off or far away. And um, I liked how feminine the faces were. I don't, I think at first if I hadn't known it was a picture of the Trinity, maybe I would have figured it out if you hadn't said something, but I liked that. But I thought their feet were weird. 
I wasn't in aversion so much that it stirred up anything in me. I was just like, what's up with the feet? Was there were like an after that? But then Jessica was very profound and like, but the feet were bare. Maybe the bare feet say something. I don't know. Anyway, those are my thoughts. And I love the blue. Mm. Yeah, that it's, it's, set, it's, it's in our midst. It's amongst us. I love that. A couple more. Rose. Um, to go with what Christine was saying, a scripture verse comes to mind because you see the three of them are on thrones and it's a platform and the word of God says to come to the throne of grace in your time of um, need to obtain mercy. So it's like the mercy seat. Mm. And then the other one that comes to mind is Dean pointed out. So the person on the right-hand side, do you see the long, if, maybe I'm wrong, but is there a long stick in his hand? Mm. So that is thy staff and thy rod, they comfort me. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Thank you, Rose. Well, the, uh, the Old Testament reference for that, I believe, is Genesis 18. If you guys want to look it up sometime this week, that'll give you a little more of what inspired Rublev to, write, to, to draw this, to paint this. Uh, one thing I would like to point out to, and I think some of you made reference to it already, but you'll notice that there's an opening here. You see that opening? The way that he's, he's painted this portrays an opening. And I see invitation there. I see hospitality there. Uh, that the heart of the image of God is hospitality. Radical welcome. Come and, come and eat. And, and, and when Jesus came as the image of God to show us what God is like, wasn't there so much about his life that was hospitality and food and being in people's homes and and being in community. Well, this is, this is really, really, really good. And, and you can uh, look that up on that website I told you about. I want to wrap up by just giving you a couple more things about the image of God that I think are, are really important. And it, um, it means us reading through text for a few minutes. And then I'll, I'll uh, just conclude with a couple of points. What do we mean by the rule of God? What do we mean when God says, let, let us create humanity in our image, that they, and by the way, that was male and female. Didn't say the males rule and the females help them. It's... Yes, it <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Um, and um, so, so there's this sense of co-rulership between men and women. And uh, in uh, Genesis 1... Two, 2 verse 1, I don't know what happened in my 2 there, but it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Not because he was tired, but because he was done. <laughs> then God blessed the seventh day. By the way, that word blessed, there's something about the image of God in that. You'll find this as we go through Genesis, there's a lot about blessing. A lot about Abraham blessing Isaac, Isaac blessing Jacob, Jacob blessing his sons. There's, there's so much about blessing. This theme of blessing, you look for these things. There's something about the image of God in that. And it's, the amazing thing is that when God blesses us, there's the element of reverence there, that God reverences you. He regards you as sacred and holy. He honors you. Julian of Norwich calls it the courtesy of God towards us. 
Then God blessed them the seventh day and made it holy because on that he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Do you ever think about the day that God chose to make us? Think about it. Think about it. What day? Sunday. Thank God it's Friday. Friday. <laughs> right? It was Friday. He made us Friday night, just in time for the movie. He says, let me show you a movie of what I just did. Huh? And how does humanity start ruling? Take a day off. Rest. Because being is more important than doing. And yes, you will do the other six days, but that still flows out of rest. That flows out of who you are. Not a checklist. And relationship is not a checklist. Relationship is the ground of your being. How many of you ever sometimes... Your, your life is so crazy, it feels like relationships a checklist. A task list. Right? And that's why we have Sabbath, to, to break us out of that. Break us out of that. So you turn off your phone, you turn off your Facebook, you turn off your internet, and you, you, you become present to where you are. That's very important about Sabbath, is you become present. And I think one of the hazards, I think Facebook and all these things are wonderful tools, but one of the dangers is, is you're, you're present to everybody else but to, to the ones that you're with. Verse 4, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the heavens and the earth. That's Yahweh in, in the Hebrew. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth. So, so you can tell that the, the narrator is kind of going, uh, I've told you this, but let's go back a bit. It's kind of like some of these TV shows they have now where they go past, future, past. They're going back and forth. And, and the, uh, the narrator's doing this. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground, but streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed humanity from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now, there's only one solitary person at this point. I'll talk more about this next week because uh, it really goes with sexuality and gender. And man became a living being. Now, this, is, this, hap this was similar to the animals, but there's something different about the way God created with his breath into the nostrils. There's something relational happening here. And do you remember another time in the Bible where this happened? Come on, it's January 10th, Christmas is over. When? When did it happen? <laughs> I'm going to go crazy. New Year. I've been preaching this for 20 years. New Year's. When did it happen? January. By the way, uh, Sangil Chuka Habnadal, all the Koreans, all had a birthday January the 1st, right? Yeah. Yes, that's right. It's true. <laughs> they have another birthday, but they have, yeah. So, Jessica knows. Come on, Jessica. Yes. When Jesus rose from the dead, he came into the upper room and he breathed on the disciples, didn't he? And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Wow. Then the Lord God planted a garden in the east in Eden and there he put the man he'd formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food in the middle of the garden where the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
So there's some good stuff on geology and geography there. I'm going to skip that just because we're running out of time. This is the important verse. This is rulership. Are you ready for this? This is rulership. This is pre-fall rulership. You know, Wade likes to write at the end of his letters to me, you rule. He always says that. And I used to think, well, he's Wade. Wade's cool. But then I realized it's theologically accurate. We rule. But what does it mean to rule? Verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. I like that. He commanded him, eat. Eat every tree except one. Can you imagine a world where there's only one rule? Just don't eat that tree. Everything else goes. Everything else is fine. Wow. But you must not eat, verse 17, of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. What happened when we ate the tree of knowledge of good and evil? The birth of rules. How many rules do we have in our world today? Right? Isn't that what the knowledge of good and evil is? It's rules. Back then we just loved. We, we received love and we gave it. We lived in God's love and life in the river of God. And then, scary enough, the first thing in all of creation, this, there's no sin. Nobody has fallen. God's there. Adam, and he, Adam has God. But God says the first thing that's not good. First thing that's not beautiful. It's not good to be alone. Now, it's not talking about not good to not be married. That's not the context here. It's not good for you, for pastors, to pastor churches alone. It's not good for Sunday school teachers to teach Sunday school alone. It's not good for home group leaders to feel like they're on their own. It's not good for parents and families to be parenting their kids and feel they're on their own. It's not good to be alone. You were born for community because you are created in the image of God. And I believe we need to embrace a triune reality for our church. To be triune about everything we do. To think team, consultation, working together, collaboration. You go slower, but it's the image of God. Some people, they say, we need a ruler, we need a leader. Just says, this is the way it is. You know, take my way or the highway. Well, you get things done faster, but it's not the image of God. It's post-fall rule, not pre-fall rule. So, five things about rulership, and then we'll wrap it up. Number one, God placed Adam in the garden. So the first thing about rulership is being present. How do you exercise the rule of God? By being present. Being present to what God has given you responsibility for. For a pastor, it means being present to my church. For as a parent, it's being parent, present to my kids. As a grandparent, it's being present to my grandkids, even if I have to use Google Hangout. But it means being present. It means being attentive. That's rulership. Watching. Even the government understands the image of God because they call us as a church to exercise due diligence. That's the image of God. Secondly, cultivate it. Snipping those branches. Looking for them bugs. Putting some fertilizer in. Watering it. Taking care of it. Planting, watering. Paul used these analogies. So cultivating Thirdly, 
caring for it. The, 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 the word here is profound. It means guarding. It means, it means or sorry, it means serving. Rulership is serving. And Jesus, of course, came in the new covenant to, to remind us what rulership is. The greatest among you serves. Rulership is serving. And Adam was called to serve the garden. Fourthly, Adam was called to guard the garden. Wait a minute, there's no sin there. There's no evil. But yet, pre-fall, there was obviously a need for Adam to guard that garden. He had to guard it from bugs, maybe, from demons, I don't know. But most importantly, God gave him the instructions to guard the garden, was to guard his heart, to accept his limits, to not go beyond his limits, to not eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The best way that I can guard you is guard my heart. Now, it doesn't stop there, but I'm called to guard you. As a pastor, I'm called to guard this flock spiritually with intercession, with teaching and preaching. Paul said to Timothy, teach the word, preach the word, guard your own heart and your doctrine, for in doing so you will save yourself and those who hear you. As a parent, as a, as a teenager, it doesn't matter who you are, you're in the image of God. God has created you to rule. He's called you to guardianship. And fifthly, God called Adam to bless and to name. And he brought the animals to him. He formed out of the ground the wild animals just like human beings and all the birds in the sky. And he brought them to the man. God said, hey, I've been creating long enough. Now it's time for you to join me in my par and partner with me in my creative work. And then it ends with this forlorn phrase. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds and all the wild animals. He looked at that monkey and he said, that looks like a monkey. You're acting like a monkey. Right? That cheetah. You're, looking like, you're acting like a cheetah. Right? That was God manifesting himself. And we're still called to name as a father. I was called and still am called to name my son and my daughter. To, to name. As a pastor, I'm called to name you. To name what I see in you. To bless you to show you the reverence and honor that God has for you. And so we're going to leave it with a cliffhanger. To be continued. Da -da -da. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the radical welcome of the good news is premised on the reality that every human being is created in the image of God and to welcome one another is to welcome God himself. Can I just mess with your head? as I send you out today? What if God was in every human being you meet? Insomuch as you've done it to the least of these, my brothers, Jesus said, the homeless, the hungry, the imprisoned, the sick, you've done it to me. What if God was in every person you met? What if you really believed that? You say, well, that doesn't sound theologically accurate, Gordy. What about Jesus saying, behold, I stand at the door and knock? Well, actually, if you look at the context, he was talking about his own church that had locked him out, and he wanted to get back in, mm -hmm. right? So he's not talking about lost people there. Yeah. What if God was in every human being because they're still in his image, even though they're fallen and they don't know him, but like St. Augustine said, I was away from myself, and so I was away from God. 
that it's a relational problem. It's a disconnection. It's a darkness. And I don't want to mess with it, but I'll tell you what. When you begin to see God, even in your enemies, even in the most marginalized, broken people that you would disagree with and how they live, but you see the image of God in them, it transforms your heart and opens a radical welcome. And yes, they need the light of the glorious gospel to shine in their hearts, to, to know him and to come into relationship with God. But maybe that's the pain of hell for God, is that part of him spends eternity in that darkness because he's invested himself in humanity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we welcome you to mess with our heads, mess with our hearts, and shake us up with a fresh understanding of what Paul prayed for, that the eyes of our understanding would be opened, that we would know the hope of our calling. And what is how wealthy you regard yourself because you've made humanity. How, how incredibly delighted you are in every man, woman, boy, and girl, indeed all of creation, but th that humanity is the crown of your creation. Thank you for our First Nations people that you've made special guardians of the land, of the earth. We honor them. We honor the land on whose uh, the, the Musqueam and Tsleil-Waututh and, and Squamish First Nations, Lord. We, we honor our First Peoples, Lord, and the guardianship that you've given them. And I pray that you would give us a sensitivity to hear your voice through them as they stand as guardians of the land. Stewards, managers, and caregivers, servants of the land. May we as a church be Trinitarian in how we live and how we operate. May we consult with one another. May we have long, prolonged gatherings where we just listen to one another and, 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 and come to those places like you did in Genesis 1 and like the church did in Acts chapter 15 where it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us that we do this. Lord, would you give us that sense of co-discernment? In Jesus' name. So stand up. I want to bless you because that's part of my...